Between Sundays, I'm Tyler, and 400 years is a long time to mix mortar and bricks, everybody. Today, we're talking about the stuff the Bible left out, the 400 years of Jewish slavery. Tim is here to give us a brain dump about injustice and our role in it. We'll also be listening to some of Tim's favorite tunes. All right, enough is enough. Let's get to it and welcome in our favorite Egyptian overlords, Ruthless and all their demands, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Hello. Wow. <laughs> Fresh <laughs> off a three-day weekend. You don't identify as a uh, Egyptian overlord, Marin? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Guys, how you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm yeah? Good. Yeah. I think I, I get a little disrupted by long weekends. I think I'm a routine guy. Mm. I don't yeah. like to be that. I don't so, want to be that because it's not cool. I want to like enjoy. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so mm-hmm. I should enjoy all the adventure. But <laughs> I do enjoy kind of getting back to like normal. Sometimes. Yeah, we usually record this on a Monday. Today's a Tuesday, so yeah. it does kind of feel weird. It's a little off. Feels a little late. And last night we were all kind of hanging like spouses and stuff. And Barry was like, I've had enough. I need to go introvert. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I did. Barry checked out. I passed up an opportunity to... <laughs> Spend even more time with people, so yep. it was great. <laughs> so you were you were off. Mm-hmm. Little something's a little off. I just needed a break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how was you guys' extended weekend? It was really good. Really good. I I didn't get too sunburned. Yeah, that's yeah. good. You were like you were outside doing couple, things a little bit. Yeah, here and there. Like I actually went over to Tyler's wife's parents' yeah. house's pool nice. and. Uh, Actually got to, tree. got to hang out in the in the blazing hot sun with with Momo, which was adorable. Yeah. So Milo was, was out there. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Oh yeah. Yeah. And let's Tim, welcome. I haven't <laughs> welcomed you in. Hey. Sorry. Good That's to see right. you. Yeah. It's good to be here. Yeah. Uh, how I was, had a house full of family. What'd you do? All just full of family. My in-laws came on Friday and they came. She sent me a text saying, we're bringing grubby clothes. We want projects. So we just moved into this house a week ago. You helped us move in. Yeah. And now it's time to start, you know, putting furniture in place, like instead of tripping over Mm -hmm. boxes and furniture like we have been all week. So it was awesome. They worked from dawn till dusk. They just worked all day long, hanging pictures on the wall and fixing soffits and doing Whoa. all the things that they do yeah just being incredible and then there was a birthday party for my now 13 year old daughter saturday sheesh so i had a house how are you feeling uh, teenage daughter teenager hey two how teenagers. are you guys feeling two teenagers i feel like i'm almost done no, you're okay not. You're not say? even close wait, to being done. Wait, done with what? Parenting or I, life? Well, I know that they're always going to be it's your all kids, downhill from here. But no, like when you look at it, I've got four years till one's off to college, five years till the other's off to college. Like You're like pumped about this. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> we have a four bedroom house and I've already have plans for like taking that fourth bedroom as soon as the first one goes to college. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I've always heard that like teenage kids is like that'll age parents years and years just going through the teenage years with your kids. Is that true, Tim? Well, uh, let's, I'm, okay, let's I know. take a picture today. Okay, I'm going to say something that's going to just freak everybody out, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay, this is absolutely the honest truth. Three kids, 
one half hour of difficult time. No. For all from all three together. Tim, I'm kind of tired Tim. of this. this. I cannot. I can't lie about <laughs> this, right, guys. This, I'm just like hashtag blessed. He never fights that, with his wife. He's had yeah. a cumulative one and a half bad hours. Tim, I gotta be honest. Years. We had. We just had. A, I don't know what it was. We just. <laughs> we. I, I'm trying to think. I know my wife and. Our youngest, when she was probably 13 or 14, had this moment when Elizabeth loved me and didn't really care for uh, her mother. But that mm. didn't last very long. So my wife my wife might say differently, but honestly... What is kid, it? Well, fiber. I know what it was. I know what intake. it was for our kids. Swimming. Uh, swimming got you through, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, swimming. Man. They were always tired. Uh, okay, <laughs> so you just got to tire them out and everything's fine. That's brilliant. That's hey, brilliant. I have heard so many people that are sort of uh, experts on parenting yeah. say exactly that. First thing you do, get them on a swim team. Wow. Wow. All right, Maren. Do your they're kids just, swim? They're just spent. Not, not really. <laughs> no. Uh, I got to be will. honest, Tim. My wife and I have gotten in arguments about whether or not you wife, your wife and you have gotten in arguments. <laughs> well... Okay, I, we She's had... like, he can't be serious. That's impossible. Like, he, Tim, he's not a liar. He's a truthful man. There was a period in our lives when we, once our kids left, we opened a bedroom up to people mm-hmm. to live with us. And they all said the same thing. Don't you guys ever get into it? <laughs> they all said the same thing about it. And, uh, Tom, and uh, Tom Doherty lived with us for two years. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's, that's the like, whole thing was like, he loved being at our house because he knew that there wouldn't be any tension there. Man. So, wow. Um, I would I, probably try to like conspire to get you guys to fight or something. Oh, don't do that to <laughs> If I lived there, I'd be like no. trying to Stirring see what up, I could sabotage. Stirring to, up trouble. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tim, what, what did you do on the holiday weekend? I preached. Oh, that's right. You were here all weekend. Well, what'd you do on Monday, Memorial Day? Uh, you really want to know? Yeah. Okay. Of course. I got, okay. I got up in seven and rode, went on a bike ride with some guys that turned into a mono, a mono sort of thing. It was fine, but. How far did you whoa. ride? You don't fight 20... with your wife, but you fight with your guys? I don't fight. We didn't fight. <laughs> mono, just, mono. Well, you know what I'm saying. It was like <laughs> uh, 28 miles. I think it was 28 miles. It was fine. It was great. It was um, good. It was fun. So when you do that, um, what do you mean by mono e mono? Like you're competing with each other, or well, it is just it like happens? A- you know, it's always it always ends up somebody wants to push the pace, and nobody wants to admit that the pace is too fast. Okay, and then pretty soon you're going way too fast for everybody, and then you just are waiting to see who's going. Wow, that's right? my childhood. Really? Right. Oh, riding bikes too fast? Or or running. And and dad will tell you, like he listens to this podcast, so I gotta be careful. But <laughs> jogging with my dad, he's he's just pushing it too hard. And then I'm cranky about it because I can't mm-hmm. keep up. But I don't want to admit that I can't keep up. So I just get even crankier. So then I waited. I waited until I moved to Chicago for the first time and I had this awesome like beach path that I would run running on the sand. And like if you're not used to running on the sand, then right, yeah. you know, whatever. So I invited him to run with me. And I whooped him. Really? Like sprints? <laughs> so good. Beach sprints? It felt so good. Do you run long distance or just like? I would run long distance, yeah. On the beach? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Whooped him. Did your dad make you run with him when you no, were little? No, he didn't. He he knew better than that. <laughs> <laughs> we He did. Like family bike rides were a huge thing. So I think I've said it before. Like 
being on a bike is my yeah. my favorite thing in the universe. Like a 28 mile bike ride, I would have been giddy. Like mm-hmm. I love it. But I mean, when you push that pace, it turns into work and less fun. It yeah. was yeah. I I pulled probably all but 800 meters of it, mm. and that's just not cool to let somebody pull for 27 and a half miles <laughs> and then put a sprint in it. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's okay. It was fine. And everybody was fine. It's just, I'm, you know, and, and my only comment at the end was in two months, I get my um, Medicare card. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's all I said. Hey guys, did you know in two months I get my Medicare card? Wow. Like, so are you the, uh, the elder statesman of the group? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is that a yes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I had that. Yeah. What else? Seven. And then um, I've had two pastoral visits. Okay. On either end of the spectrum, one with someone who is probably not going to be with us for much longer. Mm. And then with um, a family who has a baby in the NICU. Mm. Oh, wow. And oh, man. And that was cool because it's doing really well and we got to hold the baby. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we did. Most of yesterday was taken up with the... Wow. My wife went with me, which was really cool. She is just like such a a great balance to me mm-hmm. in those moments. And I appreciate her presence. Mm. Um, especially when we were visiting the friend who's at the end of his life because the wife was there and it would have just been awkward for me to be there alone with her as we talked mm. about things. I just, and my wife is so immediately arms around and mm-hmm. people just love her so much. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It was just, a, and, and that, you know, I got to be honest, that is as good a way to spend a day as you can possibly sure. have. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So. My mom came to see me this weekend. Oh, cool. That was awesome. Nice. Um, so one week after her first chemo treatment, mm. she's, She's blown away at uh, yeah, how, how she much feeling? Uh, she's in way less pain. Um, mm. She's she went out and uh, went birthday shopping for my 13 year old, and she said just how awesome it was to feel mm. good enough to be able to leave the house. Cool. Not only that, but make a three hour drive sure. to here. Um, she slept on my couch of all places. She wasn't planning on spending the night, (laughs) um, but I'm so glad she did. Like we ate so much food. Uh, was it Sunday? So she came to North Indy. She was at our North Indy campus Sunday morning. And, um, yeah, then we all slipped into a food coma shortly after service and stayed up super late. And I'm like, please don't drive home. Just, just stay the night. You know? Mm -hmm. So she did her and my dad did. And she could, awesome. she could wake up to the smell of meatballs just coming up above, from below that couch. <laughs> she, from below the couch. she woke up to the smell of both waffles, which are sweet and wonderful, yeah. and chorizo and eggs. Like we oh, just, wow. We just go big. We went all out. We really did. And then my sister and her husband and their toddlers came. Like It was our first like legitimate weekend in the home. That's and cool. Just about every family member within driving distance was there. That's great. That's yeah, cool. it was awesome. Um, have you guys ever been to the Indy 500 once? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> you don't want me to start. <laughs> <laughs> You've got too many 500 stories? Were you in the snake pit? Yes. Okay, I, I haven't, but 
Marin, again, you got to get to okay. the race. So I've, I've been in Indianapolis for a year. Mm-hmm. This time last year, race weekend, it's always Desi's birthday. So like we went home last year so she could spend her birthday with her friends from mm-hmm. the previous school year. So we missed race weekend completely. So this weekend, Saturday morning, we're like getting the house clean, getting ready to have this birthday party in the yeah. evening. And I had uh, Stanley Steamer came out to clean the carpets. And like yeah. they clean the carpets and then he sits me down to talk about all the different like upcharge things like, well, we could deodorize mm. and we could protect. And he's like, we're running a race weekend special. And I smirked and I made some snarky comment like, oh, so not Memorial Day. Right. So not that race weekend. <laughs> right. And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Would you like yes. a pamphlet? <laughs> yeah, he did. He 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 totally veered off of like the spiel he was supposed to be giving and just talked about race weekend, what it means to this region, what it's like if you go down there. And I sat kind of transfixed, like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. What is this place? You got to do it once. Yeah. So Barry, what was your experience like? Well, thankfully, I don't know. We had some connections with somebody that was, gave us uh, seats in a suite. So we weren't with like the, Huddled the people the, yearning the, the to breathe ma- free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you could actually like take a break from the sun yeah. and sit under the awning a little bit, which was very pretty pleasant. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty nice. I heard that the suite that he was in, though, they had to have Sherpas just to carry in the macaroni salad. Whoa. For the people. <laughs> lots of, <laughs> lots like, of pasta salad? Yeah, like with poles on their shoulders, oh two gosh. dudes. And, that's that's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. So it, my it, wife went to the race and it was the hottest race day on record. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know how you guys feel about the heat or the sun, but. Not a huge fan sometimes. I don't like crowds and I don't like <laughs> Same. heat. Same. Yeah. yeah it's and like so a mix of, of the worst When things. you go to the race and you're not in a suite, you're just like getting touched <laughs> by everyone <laughs> yeah. who's really hot. And so I opted out this year. I'm like, I am not going. So my wife went with some of her friends and uh, she loves it. She loves the race. So Marin, if you want to go to the race. I yeah. did. I told the carpet cleaning guy that I would need a guide. Like, yeah. I don't want to go by myself. So, you, so, so were you like inviting you? the carpet cleaning guy? <laughs> Will you be my guy? You seem to know a lot about Goodness this. I'd love, to, I'd love to go to the race with you. He was very excited to share the culture with me. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got lots of stories, race stories. How so. many times have you been? Oh, I don't even know because when I was in high school, the marching band had to march around the track. So you had to be out there like at six o'clock and you'd march around the track. And if you weren't smart enough, as I wasn't the first year to bring other clothes, you ended up being at the race at a <laughs> North Central High School band oh, outfit. You know, that was really, yeah, really that's amazing. But, that's uh, so funny. But I've been lots of times. And when I worked it on the radio show. Oh, yeah. We did the show from the race on race morning. For, sure. And those were, oh, that was terrible, actually. They f- finally figured out that nobody cared whether they were there or not, and they just pretended to be at the track <laughs> and just went to the studio after a while. I that's, that's funny. I don't even know what they do anymore, but that was what, I yeah. had some really long experiences at the race, yeah. It's an all-day thing, man. Like, she left at probably 6.30 in the morning. She didn't get home till 6 yeah. at night. Cause it's just, you go there, you park and you spend all day in the blistering sun. <laughs> and then when it's over, you get into your blistering car, yeah. you wait in traffic for a blistering hour. Tradition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People used to drive cars in and then burn them. 
No. They what? really domesticated the snake pit. Back in the day, people would bring, yeah, they would buy a car for a hundred bucks, drive it into the infield, and then burn it. <laughs> and, and there were always like a dozen burning. Oh my I never forget these guys had come in in a pickup truck and they'd brought like scaffolding. And so they'd put up this scaffolding that was at least five stories high and on top of it they'd put a couch and so here are these like eight drunk guys up on this couch through the whole race and at the end guess what they did they burned the couch up there and i'm thinking how stupid this thing is on a scaffolding yeah. that's coming out of the back of their pickup truck yeah and they're burning i said we're leaving this i do not yes. want to see yeah marin you would love it yeah, yeah. Yeah, now the most crazy th things they do are have like Skrillex play or something like yeah. that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, s I spent my uh, Memorial Day weekend trying to fix a leak in our washer. Um, my wife told me one night, the washer's leaking. So I came downstairs and the hose had come loose like underneath it and a whole tank of water was just like all over our basement. Ooh. And so I'm putting the hose back on. I'm like, all right, test it out test the hose comes off put it back on all right test it out again and uh that's another tank of water just like all <laughs> over the floor so now we're up to two tanks and i'm like all right test it out now and the third time the like rinse hose is that a thing right. the, the yeah. rinse hose uh like exploded off of the washer and i'm sitting behind it and so the water just like sprays me in the face. Mm. It's just like freezing cold water, just spraying me in the face, the whole tank. I'm like, <gasps> you know that feeling you get when like. Oh yeah, when you can't breathe. It's so cold. Mm -hmm. You can't yeah. scream or anything. You're just. <laughs> ah, turn it on. You know? This is where I wish we were video recording yeah. this because that was a great face. That was me Saturday night uh, before the race and uh, got it fixed. But there's, there's three tanks of water all over our basement mm. and now it smells like mildew or mold or whatever so we gotta we gotta take care of that but great weekend overall <laughs> <laughs> i started uh, the one thing i started doing is um so humphrey our rabbit is not not very affectionate or cuddly like i think maybe i don't know he just doesn't like being held he doesn't like when he can't get away so he doesn't mm -hmm. like cuddling it's kind of a bummer but i'm determined to make him like it eventually. So I've begun conditioning him. So three <laughs> I will times, make you enjoy three times over this me. past weekend, what I've done is I've taken a handful of his little pellets that he normally eats mm -hmm. and I will lie down and only give him the pellet if he is up on my chest <laughs> completely. <laughs> oh my God. So then he's there and he's fine. He'll eat the pellet and I'll pet him and say, and basically just reassure him, isn't this nice? Isn't this nice? Isn't You'll this just nice? tell him that? you yeah. were all about like animal freedom. No, he can jump off whenever he wants. Don't the touch pellets, The pellets <laughs> require uh, obedience. So wow. he, he's getting there. He'll he'll figure it out. That's all. That's Do, the, that's the are only are any rabbits <laughs> yes. cuddly? Yeah. Liv and I look at other rabbits on like Instagram and stuff and they're like upside down on their, you know, their owner's laps being pet and cuddled. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's ridiculous. I'm jealous. So Humphrey, he'll learn. All right. That's all. Well, so let's turn the corner. Glad to hear that you guys had a great weekend. But um, Tim, you gave a great message this weekend about injustice and uh, our role in it. And uh, what actually you said the Bible doesn't really talk about this. This was 400 or so, or it's debatable right. years of silence. Um, can you kind of give us um, what you wanted folks to take away from this weekend or maybe the big idea of what you wanted people to hear? 
Well, I think the biggest of ideas was that that even though the Bible doesn't talk about the details of that slavery period, we can under we can all understand that it was terrible by what's given to us. Mm. But the bigger point was that God expected them to speak about it and more than speak about it, to be different people in the world because of it. Mm-hmm. And the different people because of it is the issue. I did not I did not want to go to the place where and I know this sounds odd, but um generally when I hear people talk about this related to the church today, they go to a spiritual thing. They go, we've all all were slaves to sin or we were all slaves to something oh, like okay. that. And then and it becomes and, and I understand it and I fully believe it, but I don't I wanted to just leave it in the space where people could think about it on their own. Mm-hmm. We have all experienced something that we need to remember and it also needs to make us different people. And there's there's just this whole thing of even if we step back, their experience is part of the line of experience that we're supposed to remember. Mm. And the call was not to some kind of spiritual spiritualization of the slavery in Egypt, but to live in a specific way to be different from other people. So that's where I was really, Mm -hmm. really wanting to go with it. But I wanted to do it without being overt. I just want to give people the credibility that they can think about it and, and understand what we're talking about. Sure. And the parallels are just crazy between (laughs) that period and this period of our, our time now. Uh, Yeah. So that was the note I made is I, I said, here's my question. Have we learned anything? Because it, if I didn't know what you were talking about, like as a human race, have we learned anything? Because you could have been talking about America in 2018. Well, we could be talking about a lot of the parts of the Western Western world. I, um, I think we have at some level, if you look at, um, the Catholic church in the world, that that's where the, their emphasis often is mm-hmm. and much of their even liberation theology grows out of that kind of thinking. Um, we as Protestants don't tend to follow that pat those patterns as, as much as probably I think we should, but I think that the church has always had a remnant that's thinking like that. And I don't think that it's unusual for us to be concerned about those kinds of things now. Yeah, and it seems like when we're talking about slavery, you 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 said that the Jews were in in something called time time slavery, slavery yeah. time slavery, where time it's, slavery. It's the seeds of slavery seem to always be the same, though. Like you were kind of differentiating. It's not what were the other kind captured and forcibly brought to Egypt, like Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, skilled laborers right. that were uh, would you would you say employed. But well, they're not, they're, sir, they're slaves. And that, that actually goes right straight through into the first years of the church. There's a lot of people that, there are a lot of people that believe that Luke was a slave. Really? Because he was a doctor mm. and it would have been as likely for him to be a, a slave. But we, that position is really hard for us to get our arms around mm-hmm. because it was almost a a great thing for some people in their position of poverty while free to be able to claim being owned by somebody who was going to take care of them and their family for the rest of right, their that's lives. That's something, that's something that we 
cannot even get through our heads. The idea of, of actually being honored to be a slave of someone of status right, right. to say like, I'm an, I'm a slave of the King. Like what right. an incredible honor that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't register it doesn't with me. Register, right. Right. Like security, security and prestige. Like, mm. yeah, I'm the, mm. I'm the cupbearer for the King. Mm. Like, right. Mm. That's how, that's how honored I am. Even though I'm a slave, we, we would start with the slave bit, I guess. Mm. I don't know. As you were describing time slavery, you were saying like the Egyptians were like intimidated by this growing right. Jewish population. That's really clear in the in the Bible that and, they were intimidated by them. Mm-hmm. They were also afraid of them as they got larger in number. They were worried that if somebody attacked them. And the reason that that particular king who they said did not know Joseph, there's a lot of historical record to say that that particular king came in from the outside and had overthrown the ruling family. And so he had a reason to be afraid of another group of people within the population because he was not, he was not a part of the normal Royal line Mm -hmm. and he, he had changed everything. Mm. And so he would have had a, he would have had no history with Joseph and he would have had a reason to fear a large immigrant population within his own uh, country because they, if somebody did attack them, then and they chose to, because they're right. Semitic, they they were Semitic, and the Egyptians are not, and so there would have been a natural reason to follow other Semitic tribes should they attack. But hmm. yeah, um, it makes sense why he would be so afraid of them. Yeah, and as I was listening to this, I was like, I feel like the oppression or injustice uh, of slavery in this case, but just generally always, the seeds are always the same. It's like the powerful feel threatened by the outsiders or the, um, the, the minorities. And so let's make up some rules because if they get any ideas, we're in trouble. Like if they group up together and come after us, like we're, we're in trouble. So uh, you guys are slaves now like that. Yeah, they didn't. The seeds are always the same. It yeah, that in in this particular instance, it starts out with "we'll protect you and allow you to stay, but you have to do this work." But eventually, it, it ends up just being work all the time. Yeah, I had a question about that because it you said it started out as okay, you immigrants, you supply the labor and we'll let you stay, but eventually, four hundred years later, it gets to the point where Moses is saying, "Let my." people go well they know that that the the labor force now for what it is that they want in their world is is being completely filled by people whose lives they're controlling and so they can't be egypt without all these people there to do the work they've put them to work in the fields and in the construction world Hmm. and and that so they couldn't be who they they couldn't be egypt without them anymore and the and Israelites weren't free to just say, you know, we're going to go see if there's food somewhere else. Yeah, they, I'm going to take a were, hard pass on this and go somewhere else. I suppose that they were just so run down and beaten down. They said they tried to to destroy them through hard labor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Josephus talks about it too and says that, and I mentioned this in the sermon, but Josephus said that over time the Egyptians became so... Um, averse to any kind of labor Mm -hmm. that they saw themselves as above it. And so they didn't want to, they didn't want to have to go do the kind of things that, 
that needed to be done to maintain the high level of sophistication of their world. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were building all kinds of stuff through that time period. I mean, there's all kinds of talk about, I mean, Josephus says they built the pyramids. We don't think that that's true. The Jews, Mm -hmm. we don't think that that's true, but. Oh, they um, think that he thinks thought the Jews built the pyramids. Pyramids. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Um, Hmm. But we don't know whether that's true or not, but. They needed all kinds of labor that they themselves were not able to supply. And they and the point was that you get to a point where it, the Egyptians, they don't want to do that work. Mm-hmm. And so they have to find somebody to do it. And so they hold them down and in a, in a way that obligates them to, to work. And I think the obligation part is what makes the whole let my people go so necessary because they have an amount of work or time that is meant to, like you've got to produce for us X amount or else. And then they're being asked of that, but then they're continuing to make the conditions more and more difficult to do that amount of work. The whole bricks without straw right. thing mm-hmm. that I assume, mm-hmm. can you explain that? Do you know, is it, is it just that it makes it more difficult to produce the requisite amount? When the straw is actually what holds the it, clay together. Right. It binds it. So does it, <clears throat> do the bricks fail more often without Absolutely. the straw? So Absolutely. Yeah. They. So they're saying, <clears throat> yeah, the whole process g- would be, Almost an impossibility. Oh, oh, no, they don't say make the bricks without straw. They say you have to get your own straw. Own straw. They had so, to send people out to get the straw. Right, right. We have to remember, too, when it comes to the to the Israelites, they had nowhere to go. Yeah. They had, they had been a family living in Canaan at the behest of the locals. And they had never, the only thing they owned was a place for a tomb for... Mm-hmm. Abraham and Sarah, and they had this one spot, little spot that was theirs, but they had no homeland to go to. And so for them to leave and go someplace else would have put them right back at the point of being strangers in another strange land where they had no idea what those people Mm -hmm. were going to think of them. Or Or whether there was food or not. Well, they didn't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or or whether they were going to be accepted into that world. I think of when, when they, I know I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead, um, but when they left Egypt and then they were in the desert and manna from heaven, all that stuff, there was no food, right? Right. So they kept saying how good their lives were back in Egypt. And oh, they, well, at least there we had food they, to eat. Mm, and they list a whole bunch of vegetables and things Right, like that. right, right. So I'm thinking what would have kept them, you know in captivity or as slaves for 400 years. And I'm thinking it, part of it had to be the fear of going anywhere else. Right. And then as soon as they did leave there, there wasn't food. Right. right. And it wasn't like there were these vast stretches of arable land with right. good water sources that are just uninhabited. It, no. The only way they were going to get a land is to go conquer another place. And these mm-hmm. are slaves in Egypt. They don't have an army. They're not, they're they not have warriors. Anything. Yeah. Well, you know that the, <clears throat> a lot of, people believe, and I'm one of them, believe that in Genesis and in, when we start to get tribal uh, genealogies and stuff and certain people's numbers of children and stuff like that, that it's mostly code language to the Jews at the time about who is whose relatives now living in the land where you're going are going to be kind to you and unkind to you. Mm-hmm. 
And and that's an inter, and it changes the whole text when you yeah. think about it. Like that, the genealogies have nothing to do with lengths of time or even the whole of their families. The numbers of people listed says, okay, these people like you, mm. and these people don't like you, mm. and these people, and that kind of thing. And I find that far more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You said that this all started because Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Um. So I, I'm I'm watching you or I'm I'm listening to the sermon, and if I'm putting all the pieces of the of the series together, I'm like, all right, we've heard about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph seemed like a pretty good dude, um, and I was like, man, why? He wasn't a good dude at first. He was sort of a smart aleck. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the dreams that he had about how everybody's going to worship him. And, yeah. and he was, and it said, we've said coat of many colors, but it doesn't say that it says coat with long sleeves is what it says. But the reason that they <clears throat> did away with that in the text was because the Egyptians used to put coats of many colors on the statues of the, I mean, coats of, with long, long sleeves on the statues of their gods. And so oh, okay. when jo when Joseph gets a coat with long sleeves, he's getting something that's connected to the gods of Egypt. And so they changed the text later to say coat of many colors because that's sort of like a rich, fancy kind of thing because it would be really hard to make a coat like that. But its initial thing was that the coat in, connected him to the gods of Egypt. And just to get that, coat with these long sleeves would have been like a and remember he's the child of Rachel who is the wife that Jacob wanted to marry and then he got tricked into having to marry Leah who had most of the children but he is the the special child mm -hmm. and so they're all thinking who is this kid anyway so they're just done with him being a smart aleck yeah and so I'm thinking like God made some pretty big promises to these guys. Like your nations will bless or your offspring will bless nations. And uh, all of a sudden smash cut jo Joseph's in slavery. And then 400 years go by of silence. And I'm like, ah, it's so frustrating sometimes that God works like that, where it's like huge promise for you. But mm, 400 years later, you're going to go through some pretty tough stuff to get there. And even remembering back to Abraham, it's like, yeah, you're never going to see it. I, I'm going to make all these promises to you, but you're never going to see it. That is so frustrating for somebody like me. That's like, you've made this promise. Now let's, let's go. I want to see it 400 years. That's crazy. Let's just do it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I said straight up, why did he wait 400 years? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, you, but the one thing that you did say, and you've already mentioned this, but is regardless of, of whether this was God causing them to be in for 400 years or whether this is just the way of the world, uh, God still used it and used that as a, as a way that shaped the people of Israel. And, and th all throughout the law are the references that you mentioned of you were slaves, so right. treat your treat immigrants Mm. Well, you, you were slaves. I brought you out of Egypt. So don't forget those who are downtrodden in your midst. Like mm. God used that experience of injustice to shape the justice that, that people of Israel were meant to have. Right. There is a notion that the 400 years, and I didn't talk about this, but that a generation is 40 years 
and 10, 40-year generations would be the perfect amount of time for an accomplishment of what God's task was, which was to prepare them to be the people of God fully when they left. Mm. Now, that would have really gotten into way more stuff that I just didn't have time to talk about. Mm -hmm. But but, but that is a possibility that there's something about the 400 years related to generational perfection for the task that God had for them in order for them to be truly the people that he wanted them to be. I, I know that it takes... Uh, everything that I've read says it takes nine generations for people to forget where they where they started, mm. and a tenth generation would mean that they would forget and become something new. Huh? That's interesting. But but it's you know yeah. it's like that's yeah. just all out. Because you said four hundred years ago from today is sixteen eighteen. Yeah. 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 I, like, I pretty much forget that year. <laughs> do you? I do. Yeah. Don't know nothing about it. Erase it from your memory. <laughs> well, well what, what the other thing I find interesting is that from the beginning, if you look follow the threads from Genesis into Exodus, the beginning, it, the whole mandate to humanity is to be fruitful and multiply. And then you read what happens to the Israelites, even in, even in, uh, in, uh, slavery and they are fruitful and multiplying to the and point filling where the earth. Yeah, yeah, they're they filling the earth and it is a threat to the, to the status quo, hmm. the threat to right. the power. Hmm. Anyway. They're, they're doing what they had been commanded to do. Yeah. Hmm. So, so all that to say the 400 years, whether or not it was it was something that God caused was something that God used to both multiply the people and also to shape in them sort of the the prophetic call mm. to to how to be in the world I guess mm, yeah you said injustice demands a day of reckoning I did what did you mean by that just exactly what I mean. <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's pretty clear in the scripture that injustice always demands a day of reckoning. I, I know that there are things where things in, in the scripture everywhere things go terribly and we don't see necessarily the, a full uh, reckoning of that injustice. But, but I'm, <laughs> I am sure that it's, that that is how God operates, that he does not let true injustice go on forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I said it because I believe it with all my heart. Um, so I can imagine, I, mean, I don't know if it's a result of just sitting in this culture, but we, we had a, we had a school shooting last week in our, in our neck of the woods. Right. Right. I can imagine parents of kids, especially if you're, you were directly affected by something like this, that you're like. Well, I want my day of reckoning. Like the day of reckoning has to be now. Like, why is it not happening now? Mm. And this is a really good story to be like, God cares about it. Um, but the the gratification of the reckoning or the the actual reckoning may not be on your timeline. That's, no, but it's going a day of reckoning is coming. I agree with that. There is one small story about two midwives who save Jewish boys during this period of time. And the only thing that I can imagine about that story being there is to let them all know that even in the, let the reader know that even in the midst of terrific injustice, God is paying attention to the, to the details of some of to, to individuals lives and that they are remembered for what they did, but also because of God's, faithfulness to them in the midst of the terrible injustice that was all around them. So I think, um, 
Is this like the story of Moses being like put in a basket and well, that's the right, next, be- right, right before at, that. Right before that, there's a story of the two midwives who. Mm-hmm. For the people who weren't able to hear the message this weekend, can you talk about what you're referring to? The killing of the. Well, there are two plots by the Egyptians to kill off the Jewish baby boys because they're multiplying mm. so rapidly. And so they want to get rid of the boys so they can't produce children, but they want them to die in, as they're being born. Mm. And so they first, they instruct midwives to take them and kill them as they're being born. But the midwives, who it says they fear God and they're not going to do it. So they say the Jews are just too strong and their babies are born too fast. And by the time we get there, they've taken off and we can't kill them. And then they just make a broad statement that they are to kill all the baby boys. Mm. That anybody is just to kill them. And so those are the two, those are the two plots. And Moses himself, grow, his birth comes out of the plot mm. to kill all the baby boys. And... Um, I think we get that story of the midwives again, because even in the midst of vast injustice, God is present and he's doing things in people's lives. I, what we want to see is like wholesale God come in like a tsunami and change right. everything. We want to yeah. see that. That doesn't really happen very often. In fact, I have a theory about this and I probably, we don't have time for me to prove it, but um, <laughs> I firmly believe that the, that God waits to enter the world of mankind to do vast things, to change things, once the odds are against his people being able to fix it on their own. Mm. And the argument between Abraham and God over how many people would he save Sodom for gets around to how many people in the midst of Sodom were capable Mm. of actually turning the city around. We see this kind of thing frequently that when it's Noah and his family, the odds are just too bad. And so God has to come do something. Mm. And you see it all through the scripture. And I actually believe that the reason that Jesus came when he came, I mean, there people probably not like what I'm about to say, but it was when, <laughs> when the system of a Jewish following of God had gotten to the point where it was incapable of overcoming all the problems that it has had created was Jesus needed to come then because the odds were just too hmm. terrible now. And people who really were following God were far outnumbered and God hasn't has so much trust in us. If we obey and follow him together as people who are of like mind, we can actually change the world. That's the reason hmm. that all the talk about Jesus coming back soon seems somewhat preposterous to me because there's so many of us, if we just actually obey, we could actually continue to change the world. The odds are in our favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that that's just Tim Ayers, but yeah. Uh, Somewhere where the odds don't seem in our favor, and it might be just be anecdotal for the time, but is the school shooting situation. Like it doesn't seem like there's much we can do or there's much anybody can do. And I want to take a minute just to talk about what happened last week. Um, because I know Marin, you've got two kids in, in junior high school going into high school. I'm sure it impacted you in a, in a pretty profound, profound way, Tim and Barry as pastors, I'm sure, um, there was impact on you too. Um, but this is in our neighborhood now, like this, we hear about these stories all over the country, uh, all over the world, but this happened in our backyard. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, 
not where were you, but how did last week mm. impact you? I, I mean, I, I don't think the word devastated does it justice for what everyone was feeling. Um, but I know like I was kind of swinging between just devastation and fear and then so much anger mm-hmm. and then back to sadness and then back to anger. And yeah, that carries on to this moment. Um, what, what, uh, what were your kids saying? Yeah. It's interesting from, from that, that aspect of the story, I guess. So they were in school and it was their last day of school and they, they were so looking forward to field day and just all the fun things that you get to do on the last day. You've worked so hard all year to get to this day. Um, so I had heard about it in the morning, um, and just was frozen. I, I, don't, I don't know that I can remember a moment where I just sat still for that long. Mm-hmm. It just felt like I I couldn't move. I had a ton of things to do. There was a birthday party the next day. Mm-hmm. A house I wasn't even moved into yet. Boxes unpacked. I had I had woken up with every intention of making this like the busiest unpacking day ever. And I was just frozen in place. And yeah. just, yeah. And then I'd cry and then talk to my husband on the phone and then cry some more. And, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. At one point, a a wave of resolve came to just like, all right, I've got to do the only thing I can do, which is right in front of me. Um, so when I went to pick up my kids from school that day, um, they both came running out of the school with smiles on their faces and I just fell apart behind the wheel, just watching my smiling, happy kids, run to my car. So I don't think that they really grasped the fullness at that point of what had happened. They had heard rumors around the school and a a teacher had kind of mentioned to them what had happened just 10 miles away from where my kids attend school. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it was weird because I just was, I was crying. I was crying right in front of them and they wanted to be sad and they were, they were disturbed but they were also full of what had happened in their day, which was happy. Mm. They, mm-hmm. they had their fun and their field day and, you know, their day was kept relatively normal. And so I kept finding that throughout this weekend of like, I just want to go like just wrestle with God for a minute or cry or, you know, just, I just want to go mourn. Mm. But I have a birthday party and a 13 year old whose birthday is very important and celebrating the life that's in front of me and all that stuff. So yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I had a moment where, um, I was dropping something off for Olivia right as it was all happening. Like it was the word had gotten out. Um, but it was still not far from resolved. And I think there was still, uh, this, some, uh, kids at the high school had put in a threat that they were going to bomb the school like jokingly and they got arrested, but, but they still, that has still hadn't been resolved. And I, I was dropping something off for her at her work and, um, everybody was just doing their thing. They were walking around, uh, talking, chit chatting, having a good time. And it, it struck me, I, maybe they didn't all know the details of what was going on, but many of them must have. And it struck me that we are now at a point where this is so commonplace mm-hmm. that, that it's just a part of our life now. And I honestly, I was thinking like, man, 15 years ago, if there had been a whole city would have been in a, like we would have 
shut down in a sense. Everybody would have been freaked out if something like this had happened. You know, maybe mm. not. Maybe I'm idealizing the past, but it just to me, and and even in my own heart, realizing like, yeah, this happens. You know, and it was like shocking to me to 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 realize that that it wasn't shocking. Hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, someone qu- was quoted in the Indy Star paper or the story where it was a parent who said this shouldn't happen here. This happens at high schools. It, it doesn't happen here. And that's just like, yeah, but it shouldn't happen at high schools yeah, either. But right. we've just like uh, accepted. Not, I mean, nobody accepts it, but 24 hours later, it's out of the news cycle, you know, like, yeah, it, it's just like you said, so commonplace that we've just like resigned ourselves that this is what happens at a high school, not a junior high. And now it's happening at a junior high. And luckily nobody was killed. I mean, but yes, thank you, God. But we're not we're not exempt from this stuff. I mean, I saw a lot of things online where people would say only two people were shot. Mm-mm. Yeah, even just to say it in that mm. way is so shocking. To th- if you take a step back and think, wait, no, oh, anyone was shot. What? What if those were my two people? Right. Would I right. say, oh, it's a yeah. good thing only two people were shot? Right. Goodness gracious! You walked in here, Barry, right before we started recording, and just kind of acknowledged. Not only my mother's heart, but where I'm sitting in the Enneagram as a six. And it's like, yeah, is it okay, kids? You're never going back to school again. Right. Like, I could, homeschooling from now on. I could easily <laughs> go there in my head and in my heart. But then I kind of rationalize, man, every single day that they're living and breathing, they're at a risk of some kind. Yeah. Every day that they've gone to school this year, they've been at risk. I mean, every day of our lives is a risk of some kind. So I can't insulate I can't build walls thick enough or a tower tall enough to protect my kids from any harm yeah and so that leaves me with working it out with God in the corner I had to lead worship at uh, North Indy this weekend and I knew that I knew I knew on Friday our church will respond to this and that responsibility will fall to many of us, Tim and myself, many of us that were on this weekend across three campuses. I was praying for Will and Brad as they were on at their campuses and just that God would give us sensitivity and just help us, help us, help us support our people and help us, Mm -hmm. help us cry out collectively as a community. Just, just help us, God, we need your mercy. And again, I had a birthday party on Saturday. I had, I had a house full of family members from out of town all weekend long. So Sunday morning, you know, we set aside some time, um, to, to pray and go to the cross, pray, uh, collectively as a congregation, but also have some ministering prayer for people who wanted prayer, um, Mm. individually. And I think it all hit me then Mm. (laughs) because like I said, my kids ran to my car just wanting to tell me about their day. And then it turned into house projects with the in-laws and Things were so busy, even though I knew in the back of my mind yeah. this whole time, man, I got to go work this out. This is going to be hard. Yeah. And then on Sunday morning, just leading in prayer, I just fell apart, crying out to God. Just, uh, you know, that sackcloth and ashes thing from the Old Testament <laughs> is really, I just wanted to just that, how, just to mourn in the deepest way mm, yeah. of like you said in your sermon, enough is enough. Silence no more people of God. Enough is enough. Um, but like you said at the beginning of this podcast, Tyler, it's, well, what do you do? 
Yeah. What what practical things can you do? And one thing that, uh, man, I've just been praying and waves of thoughts and feelings have come to me. There's a there's a young lady in my daughter's class um, that Desi befriended at the beginning of the year. And goodness gracious, this girl has a hard life. Um, and we've known that all year long. It's been a, it's been a long road. Um, she's, she's gone as far as to draw pictures of herself self-harming and like show my daughter these pictures, just just disturbing things. Like we, my kid may not be struggling with depression in such a way, but somebody else's kid might, Hmm. you know, and this is a kid in my life. So I feel fortunate. Like you came to the right house. Mm -hmm. She was at Desi's birthday party. Um, glad to have her. Mm-hmm. trying to think of how can I have her over more? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm in mourning. I'm angry. I want to lash out, but maybe if I could, maybe if I can pour this love and this passion into this one child, mm-hmm. maybe I can't do that for every eighth grader, every seventh grader, but God brought this one to my mm-hmm. doorstep. So what am I going to do with this one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> getting back to the the sermon and how it connects to what you just said, um, you, you asked Tyler about the day of reckoning. And I think um, w- when we look at the idea of every injustice demands a day of reckoning, I think in some ways, and this might sound a little extreme, but we, we are the day of reckoning for injustice in our world. And, and what I mean by that is um, as the body of Christ, we are, are, are here on this earth bringing an end to the injustices that we see around us. And so what you are doing in that moment, Marin, is you are, you are healing an injustice because an injustice or injustice demands that that girl be ignored and ostracized mm. because, because she's different, because she's weird, because she's, it's uncomfortable. That's what systems of injustice demand. And yet by, by drawing her in further, you are, you are, taking the teeth away from the injustice that would perpetuate the problems like the shooting, like, like all the things that no, I'm, I'm not saying that this girl would, would go to that length, but that's the culture that, that breeds those types of, of events. So what you're doing is you're actually dismantling some of the injustice. And mm. so for me, when we talk about day of reckoning, I, I'm seeing all these parallels and connections popping into my mind. The, the day of reckoning for Egypt, for the slavery in Egypt was Passover, mm. right? That's, that was when, when the, the Israelites were spared. And that was, that is the event for, Mm -hmm. for for the Jewish world. Like that is the celebration. Mm. And what happened in the Christian world on Passover? Anybody know? It was the death of Christ. Like that was Passover. And so in a, it's almost like Mm. the Exodus being blown up into, uh, into infinity Mm. was Christ's death on the cross, which, which yes, brought a, brought an end to the power of sin, but it also, it put, it put injustice on notice. It was the, it was the Passover in which God spared the world, spared humanity from the grips of injustice. So yeah, all that to say Christ's death on the cross, which we get to live out in our lives. Like we, we carry our crosses daily. We are the representatives of Christ in this world. We get to be a living Passover to the injustice and the brokenness and the sin in our world. And, 
I don't know. This maybe this is too mystical and weird, but this is the way I think about it. No, I like, see it. I you see, see the, that. What I'm saying, like anyway. Tim, you said that we we are told repeatedly to have eyes to see, to have ears that hear. I'm going to quote you. You said we are to free the captives. We are to fill the empty bellies. We are to wipe away the tears. We are to bring peace to a world that is so much living in fear. Right. Yeah. I chose those words. Actually, the very last, when I said, um, I think I said, silence no more, people of God. Yeah. I didn't have an ending to that sermon until I was sitting uh, in the in the south those words all came when I was sitting in South Isaiah running through the rehearsal for the service. Mm. Mm. Wow. And so um, <clears throat> I, I was thinking specifically about what we do mm. and what we need to do. Um, we feed, we fill the empty bellies here. Mm -hmm. I think we wipe away the tears here, but we were in a moment of great fear mm -hmm. And also I, I talked, I think I added anxiety at one point. I said something about anxiety. But, but it just seemed like I needed to talk about what we are doing and what we should focus on doing in relationship to what's happening right now. Because I didn't have those words until just before the service started. Hmm. Um, and I had been praying... Because I've kept telling Jennifer, I don't think I've I've got an ending to this. Mm. I yeah. don't have an ending. And I think the reason I didn't have an ending was because I was so taken off guard. Here's what happened to me. I live in a woods, and it, once a year, that's going to sound weird, but once a year, I have to weed eat the front acre. It takes about four hours. I started at 8.45 on Friday morning. So it was about 11.30 when I finished. And about that time, Jennifer came out and said to me, this is what has happened. And so like all of the, the thing was resolved mm. before I even knew about it. Mm -hmm. And so, and I had about 15 minutes left of work to do. And all I could think about was what does this mean to us as a community? What does this mean to us? Mm. And for me, what it, I, I didn't know many details about who had been shot or I didn't know any of that stuff, but I knew that this was a call and I better somehow find language that says we need to be a part of this because you can't get much closer than having the same zip code. Yeah. 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 And the other thing that made me sad was that we've gotten to where when it happens in Santa Fe in Texas, or if it happens on the West coast, it doesn't, Mm. It doesn't affect us directly. Yeah. And, and I thought about every time on the news I hear that 46 people got killed in a car bomb in a, in Afghanistan or mm -hmm. Syria or something like that. It just, just rolls off our back. And just how jaded we've become to the whole, whole thing. So. Yeah. I struggle with what, um, like today we went as a staff to go pray at the school mm -hmm. for staff prayer. And my, I, when I was praying, I just started praying for forgiveness because mm. I feel like, I mean, 
these things I'm like, isn't this too big? Isn't the Afghanistan stuff? It's just too big for me to care about. Like why? Or we become desensitized to it. I'm just desensitized. Like it's just part of life. So I, I started just praying for forgiveness and that I am part of a group of people who have let it come to this. Mm -hmm. You know, we've let it come as a, as a culture, society, church, we've let it come to desensitized and not caring about justice because really the car bomb thing is a perfect example. Like I either don't hear about it or I don't care because I've never been there. I don't know those people. Um, I think you care. I care. But you're just like, what can I do? Yeah. 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 Compartmentalize it. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that always happens over there. Uh, there's nothing I can do. So moving on, like Mm. I, I care that people are losing their lives, but I think we as a culture are just like desensitized. And so I think we, do you guys think that there's forgiveness to be prayed for? Like that's what happened to me when I was launching into that, that period of prayer at North Indy from where I was standing. I wasn't sure, you know, I didn't have a scripted prayer. I wasn't sure when we got to that point, you know, how I would, you know, announced that we're going into this period of prayer. But I know what happened in my heart was just that, again, that kind of tearing of my clothes and mourning, you know, figuratively of just like, God, we messed it up again. Mm -hmm. I was, and I was just, that was a prayer of repentance on my heart, you know? And I've, I've been, I've been questioning myself about that ever since, um, Hmm. you know, I didn't want to offend anybody by saying like, Hey, this was your fault. You caused this to happen. No, we're not saying yeah, that, we're not. but we're crying over the human condition. We're yeah. broken over where we find ourselves as a community, as parents, as teachers, as, as a society. Yeah. It seems hopeless. Like this one thing seems hopeless. It's complicated. It's hopeless. You know, I think it's because we often, just like the Israelites did again and again and again and again and again in the Old Testament and the disciples did in the New Testament, it, it, the human, the, the, the children of God continuously um, hear the promises of God for a new way of living and we think, mm, I don't think that'll work. Yeah. So I'm going to respond to violence with violence. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to respond to hatred with hatred. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know... I'll take reckoning into my own hands. Yeah, Thanks. let me let me do this in my way that see, that feels right to me. Yeah, and so I, yeah, I I think we so often we kind of miss the point, the idea of how we are to re- respond to to things like gun violence. Okay, so I was just talking about this with my dad earlier today, and this is not like a well formed thought, but um, we were talking about how how do we how do you preach through how do you lead a church in a discussion about gun violence when you've got so much political weight on both sides of this issue Mm -hmm. you have some people saying we need more guns because if there were more guns then we could actually stop these this Mm -hmm. violence before it happens you've got other people saying no we've got to take away the guns and and you know it's got it's about politics it's about uh you know creating laws that would prevent Mm -hmm. this kind of thing from happening and and as i was thinking about it i realized like maybe what it, what it comes down to for Christ followers is to just individually choose to live in radical nonviolence like Jesus. And maybe that means, you know, that we face down violence with humility 
and we allow violence to do its worst to us the same way that violence did its worst to Christ. Mm. And it, it let it exhaust itself on us. And maybe that's where the change comes because our, uh, instead we always say, well, let's fight back. How can we fight back? Anyway, I don't know what that means and that's not <laughs> practical at all, I mean, but that's what I've been thinking about. Is there, is there a way for us to, to trust that God actually has this and that he has the capacity to fix this and simply respond to our world with love and mercy and do what you're doing, Marion. Like, like have the people who are around us who are broken and who need Christ and welcome them into our lives and let that be our, our small act of healing the broken world rather than saying, well, shoot, there's nothing I can do. I, yeah. can't, I can't stop car bombs. <laughs> when it comes to like the political issue, so I started my life as a victim of gun violence. My father was killed. He was shot. He was killed. I don't dig guns, but I married a hunter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a hunting family and they respect their guns and know how to take care of them and lock them up for goodness yeah. sakes. So I find myself in the middle of, man, where do I even fall on this spectrum? Um, just personally. And uh, it doesn't matter. The greatest of these is love. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. There's not much else we can say. I mean, so I want to turn the corner again. Um, and, and again, for listeners out there, if you, if you didn't know, um, our 146th street campus has been open for people to come pray, be prayed for, be prayed over by pastors. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to continue to respond in these, these types of ways. We're sending out communication as things develop. If, if there are more opportunities to, to be prayed and counseled and yeah. pastored over. And always at all times uh, at Grace, we have uh, a whole pathway of care that we offer um, for right. for you. If this is something that you need to process, if you need to get some uh, some counseling, if you need some some more support, if you want to know next steps, you can go to like gracechurch.us slash care mm-hmm. and it walks you through everything. Yeah. Because um, we realize this can be a real, um, this can be a challenging emotional time for a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, when this gets so close to home. And so um, I guess a little PSA, don't, don't go through this alone. Mm-hmm. Like we're here for you. Well, I, I got a real feel of that when we were at the school today to pray mm-hmm. because I went up to the door and surprisingly um, a number of f- people who came out were grace people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were like saying, I'm so sorry that I don't come to grace as much as I should, but I'm so glad to see you here because I've been surprised at how I'm reacting. Mm. And I'm just glad to know you're here. And and then I was able to say, and I'm not just here now, we're here all the time. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was actually a, a clear sign to me that what we've, what we're going to be dealing with is going to be ongoing. And yeah. And when the world forgets all about it, except for a few people, we still need to be present for the people that it's going to be an issue for them. Mm. And I, I just felt like it was almost a gift to me this morning to know what can I do? Well, I have some people I need to stay in touch with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, hmm. That's good. Okay. Let's uh, shift gears completely 180 uh, to a, a more... Um, fun conversation. Last time, Tim, you were here, we, we asked you to, um, tell us if you were on going on an Island and you could only take one or two songs, what would you take? And this time you've actually sent some songs to us. Uh, 
And you say they're, they're songs that have profoundly changed your life. Uh, okay. Well, apparently this question had been haunting him since the last time he was on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's right. We're, we're kind of giving Tim a chance to like clear his conscience. Right. Like, oh, Is gosh. this going to help well, you sleep better? Yeah. Well, th- because I didn't want to short, <laughs> what's the word? Shrift? Short change? Short change. Anybody who'd actually had a big impact, but. Then I had to have a conversation. Jennifer and I had a conversation about songs that actually did change the direction of my life. Sweet. I can't wait for this. Well, so yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. So what yeah. I want to do, Marin submitted some songs as well. So we've got four songs. Um, listeners, just bear with us. Uh, we've got four songs. <laughs> we're going to play parts of each one of them. And we're just going to talk about the impact that these songs have had on both Tim and Marin's life. Uh <laughs> Maren, why are you laughing? Because I'm going to second guess my choices for all of my days. <laughs> nah, they're great. All right, so the first one is uh, James Brown, There It Is. So That's let's, right. Let's play that. First of all, I've never heard this song. I'm not surprised. <laughs> this sounds like my house. Your house? Oh, yeah. Jed's a huge James really? Brown fan. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, this song changed everything for me. What happened? <laughs> well, the reason it changed everything was, listen to that bass player. Boom, boom. Oh yeah, that's all he's doing. I feel like I feel like I could do that. You probably could, but the, you, there's a groove in this. And the thing was that music tends to be too busy. And listen to all the silence in this. Yeah. No. Cool. That was. Oh I like God. that part. Okay, Tim is dancing. Just yes. Want to let the world know. Hey, I saw. <laughs> I saw him do that, and the horn players were actually dancing with him. They're oh, doing they this back to. and forth thing, and it's like now what he goes to eventually is he goes to a piano solo, and it's the first time I'd ever heard a Wurlitzer piano okay. solo. Okay. And so, like, what we got going here is. Everybody needs to settle down. <laughs> everybody needs to find the groove. And everybody just needs to, to do their part. Yes. And then what you get is you get a whole bunch of people doing small, cool little things together. And what you have is something that is infectious. Now. Now listen. This was the first time you've heard a Wurlitzer? This when, song? With this kind of music. <laughs> so, are, do, do these guys practice this song before oh they start gosh. playing? Oh, no, sure. Tyler, this is all improv. No, I, it sounds like it might be. It's just like no. the same no. beat, no. same no. rhythm, no. and James this, Brown's just like screaming over top of it. No. Get this out of here. Everything's a solo. <laughs> no, no, this is like so worked. These guys had worked yes. and worked and worked. And then worked some more. So... This okay. I might be reading too much into it, but the beat or the the actual rhythm, the RPM, it it 
feels like walking confidently. Like this, well, yeah, this you're speed, strutting, this man. Speed you'd there walk it if is. If you were walking confidently, there it is. I lo- I totally love the 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 song. I'm gonna listen to it in my car on the way home. Yeah. Like <laughs> it makes me feel like I need to start strutting for sure. But it also sounds like they're making this up as they go. Oh, oh no, no, there's not a note in it that's made up. <laughs> and and if it, if they were playing live and one guy missed one note, James would yes. throw them out of the band. Oh, oh he was a tyrant. Doctor Pay. But, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. but. But it just changed my thinking about, because there was a lot of jamming music back then, and mm-hmm. I'd been into the blues, and it was all about showing off, and it was all about lots of stuff that I needed somebody to just take me by the collar and say, sit down and listen to some good music. Yeah. And and uh, I was really thankful when that happened, because it just changed everything. What year was this? Oh, I don't know. It's 71, 72, something like that. I dig it. All right. What's the song called again? There it is. There it is. <laughs> Part one and two. Yeah. Well, they split it. They split it into two parts because it was about six minutes long. Could fit on an eight track. Just kidding. This wasn't that long ago. <laughs> no, I heard it. I, I just remember being told. Um, well, I think I've mentioned this before that I was told that silence is the canvas upon which I'm we paint you. our musical portrait. Space. And then, Space. It, and then I was told, and you need to go listen to There It Is by James Brown because mm-hmm. it will tell you exactly what I want from you. And that's what happened. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Marin, how do you say that? But then you like love metal. Well, it depends on the, my mood. I'm, I'm honestly like the two songs that I sent you, neither are metal. Um, we'll and see metal about for that. me is nostalgia because it's just, you know, it's my childhood. Okay. It's the way I was brought up. But no, as a writer, like you work space. If you yeah. don't, I want to leave holes. I I love drummers that are what we call pocket players mm-hmm. that kind of lay back into the beat and don't overplay. And it's not necessarily do, 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 do. Like it's not yeah, driving yeah. the whole time. So I hear what he's saying, like the yeah. big holes in that song. All right. Next one is from Marin. Ah. Neil Young, Cinnamon Girl. Oh, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Right after this ad. Right after this ad, are we using YouTube? Yeah. Nice. I tried to think of songs that are like, no matter where I am, no matter how I'm feeling, when that song comes on, I'm like, yes, that's my jam. It's my jam. I don't know if we'll listen to the whole thing, but my favorite part, like the reason I chose this song is at the very end. At the end? Yeah. Skip ahead then. Hear it. Well, you gotta Let's get hear into the it iconic for a second, voice yeah. of Neil Young. This is my jam. I've never heard this song it's either. It's just so preachy. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. It's the tone of the guitars. It's their voices together. It's the attitude within the song. It's just my, it's my jam. Ugh. So. This song is like. Yeah, what year is this? This song is like a hot tub for my soul. What is just, that? Just. Full ah. of weird other people's bacteria? Yeah, it's the best. That's, that's <laughs> a really disease. old record. Is that, <laughs> is that. It's Buffalo Springfield, right? Or No, it? it's, it's. Crazy was, Horse. It's, okay, Crazy it's Horse. Crazy right, right, right. After. Crazy Horse, yeah. He's still making music, right? He sure yeah, is. Yeah, he still yeah. is. He sure is. So let's get to the end. All right, well, it's a solo, so just kind of, there it is. 
The one note solo? One note. I played, I got a story about Dude, that. Dude, this solo rocked my world because I grew up with metal. So I grew up with like sweeping arpeggios and like that was the epitome of soloing. But I hear this and Neil Young's like, I got you. I'll use one finger <laughs> and yeah. I will solo with one note. And then I'll turn around and do it again in the same song. Right. So there's two songs in the The things you guys like about these note. songs, I feel like I could do. One I note. I could do one note. I just think there is so much attitude in that one note. I love it. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, Sam, you're going to have to help me with this one, too, because I've definitely never heard this one. Okay, this I, well, is a- i got to tell you about this one. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I went to a, a folk club in England um, in Sleaford. And I just went on a chance with uh, the archaeologist's wife, who I was working for. And we got there, and it was the solo. The guy performing was Nick Jones. Little did I know who Nick Jones was. Yeah. But he walked up, and now listen to this guitar playing. I had (laughs) never heard anything like this. Now, I definitely cannot do that. (laughs) That's cool. That's just one guy? All by himself. That's cool. Does he ever sing? It's just me. Oh, yeah, I know okay. he sings. And I'm not a big fan of his voice, but I like him. The way he plays guitar. Yeah. Man. That sounds like multiple people playing. It sounds like my friend Scott. I'm actually texting him right now asking him if he's ever heard of him. Well, I set out from that day to learn to play like that. Huh. Can, can you do that? I don't play that song, but I can play like that. Yeah, I can play like that. Sounds a lot like my friend. So you you were there when before he was big or something, or I don't know. You know, no um, English balladeer has ever been big. <laughs> but um, he wasn't playing stadiums. He was playing a folk club in Sleaford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to 40 people. But the best part was that the floor was wooden and everybody's foot was going boom, boom, That's boom, awesome. boom, boom, boom. It was just cool. a pub. And and he played like that for like an hour and a half and he played song after song and I could not figure out how he was doing it and what he was doing. And so when it was over, I went up to him and I said, I've never heard anything like this. What are you... What do, you, what do I need to do to play like this? And he said, tune your guitar like this. And he showed me. And then he said, hold your pick like this and use your fingers like this. And then he showed me a jig. He said, you can go home and do He'd never seen me play or anything. He says, you can go home and play that. Wow. Just remember the melody and remember that the drones need to keep down on the bottom end. You need to find the bottom end drones. You'll be able to play this if you go home and do it. I told you. And you know what? I went home and I got a guitar out and I did what he told me and the rest is history. <laughs> I've been cool. learning it ever since. And, that's awesome. And so that, that, that's the song he played. And I'd, it changed the direction of my whole life because I'd never even been aware that you could 
play like that. Is that yeah. open tuning? Yeah, it's an open tuning. Dad or something like it's that? It's just, yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. Bringing and all that lingo in here. Yeah, it's D-A-D-G-B-D. Oh, okay. Is he one of those guys that has like witch fingernails? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In fact, his story is really sad because he was in a car accident, not eh, probably 10 years after that. Oh, and wow. he can't play guitar. Oh, that's awful. Oh, and, no. And um, his son has learned to play like him, and so he can still sing, and so he still goes around, but he's he's not able to play. But he was given some kind of thing from the queen for being the, this protector of English culture or something All like right. that. And, and his records are just... Well, you gotta. I mean, they sound like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I gotta really be ready for that. But it's it's his guitar playing that just. But it did. It literally changed my life. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. wow. All so right. When, so when do you and I get to show our favorite music, Tyler? Well, I was I was confused because when Tim shared that with me earlier today, I was like, "Why is Tim telling me about Nick Jonas?" <laughs> I, like, I didn't take Tim for a Nick oh, Jonas guy. And I, I was confused <laughs> and the Jonas too because brothers. I misread the title of the song. I I thought it said Candio, and I thought you were about to like recommend the Cars. I'm like, oh, oh no, okay. it's Canadaio, <laughs> and it's Nick Jones. All right, last one. Uh, Marin's Anita Baker, mm. Sweet Love. Yes. Right after this ad. <laughs> so I didn't know we were going with like songs that were pivotal and that changed our lives. Tim, you said there was a Tim Ayers before that song. There was a and Tim And a Tim Ayers after. Yeah. So I didn't pick songs like that. You I just picked, picked songs your jam. that are my jam and iconic voices. So I can't sing like Anita Baker, but I love to pretend that I can when I'm driving. She has a voice. I've heard this one. That is like... A brass instrument. She's so smooth. She's like a saxophone. And you want to talk about bass playing? <laughs> Is this like you and Jed's no. song? No, it's just me. It's my love song to myself. <laughs> She's so smooth. The intervals on the melody. Do you the, hear the how melody. one note just connects to the next? Yep. Like, yeah. Seamlessly. That's cool. And then at the end, again, at the end, she's, she's like saxophone soloing with her voice. Let's see about that. So what is, is what is this? That's cool. This is R&B. Is this, is this soul? Yeah. What is this? It's, Just it's straight R&B? R&B? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing dishes in your kitchen, put on this jam. Mm-hmm. Then Jed walks in. You grab the, like, wooden spoon and start doing the... No, I can't. No, this is like, no one can be home, Start singing. Right? This oh, is... you're by yourself? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. This seems like a dance around the house kind of song. It is. Or driving, again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Guys, great submissions. We should do this every time you're here, Tim. <laughs> Songs that I've never heard. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool.
I could probably do that. Yeah, let's, let's um, do it. I'm old enough to have had many lives. So the pre-Tim marriage before changed yeah. completely. Yeah. All right, we're running late, so let's get out of here. But what's, what's next, Barry? We're starting a brand new series. We are starting a new series called BYOB, Bring Your Own Bible. Yeah. And it is going to be awesome. It Big is, things planned for the pod. Yes, we're going to be, this is going to be the place to come throughout the, this, the whole series because we're going to be talking about uh, the passages that everybody in the church is going to be studying all summer. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, basically we're like, uh, people aren't reading the Bible, so, They're not, or... I don't know how to read the Bible. And I'll or, tell you why. I did a I did a Twitter poll and uh, several people, quite a few people responded. And it was two reasons. One, I don't have time. Really, yeah. You know, in other words, I don't make time because uh, I don't want to. And second, I'm intimidated. No judgment. I'm intimidated by it. I don't feel like I know enough to read it. So we're going to take both of those things yeah. on. And I believe that by the end of the summer, we will have people who actually feel confident in reading on their own and they're going to want to. Challenge accepted, so Grace let's Church. Make it happen. All right, cool. But before that, <laughs> uh, we'll, so we'll, we've got a whole thing planned starting next week. I can't wait to get into this because I have all the questions for for everybody. Like I'm one of those people. I'm like, I want to read the Bible, and I get up early, and I'm like, where do I even start? I don't know yeah. what I'm looking at. All right, so yeah. cool. Can't wait. But that'll be next week. Mary, you and I must finalize. Our list. Oh, uh, we're on this weekend. This we're in weekend. North Indy. Yeah, we got to pick songs. We'll we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, we're we on. Just, it. We just listened to some great ones. Any of those? Can we worship? do Sweet Love? <laughs> we could change the words around a little bit. Okay. With all my heart, I love you, Jesus. Wow. wow. I'm unsure that the lyrics to "There It Is" really matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyler, you take that one. You lead that one. Okay. Marion, will you send us out? I will. I will. Like we heard this Sunday, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs>